Welcome everybody to the Gameology Podcast. We're going to be doing something a little bit different. We're going to be talking about game jams in an interview format because, Attila, how many game jams have you been to? I've participated in person in three game jams, the TO Jam here in Toronto, and I've partic- participated in one online, that being the uh, Game Maker Community Jam. Okay, now first off, let's just explain to people, in case they don't know what a game jam, what, what exactly is that? So the, the format kind of varies from whichever like person happens to be the host or whatever the occasion is. Uh, in the case of TO Jam, I'd say that's a very typical kind of game jam where you come together in a set geographical location over a usually short span of time. Um, in the case of TO Jam, it's three days. Some game jams run over the course of the week. Um, and the idea is just start to finish, make a game in that span of time. Okay, and... So how does that differ, actually, the uh, the TO Jam, which is taking place in a larger building, and, and the online jam? How do, how did that differentiate? Well, I guess in the case of, uh, in both jams, it's a very, like, kind of, I don't know, you're, you're in, in the case of TO Jam, they give you a, a theme. Uh, that's also a common um, practice in game jams, to have, like, a theme that you need to work into your game somehow. Um, take it as a source of inspiration, a challenge for, like, how do I get, uh, like, work from this concept? Um, in the case of TO Jam, they give you the theme ahead of time. Um, you're totally welcome to bring in things that you've already begun working on. It's a very just like, chill, be happy, make a game. I know that there are some game jams which are try to be a bit more strict with that. Like they only announce the theme of the game jam as it starts. You must incorporate the theme, which uh, I personally don't like because it feels a bit more like, I don't know, like a school project. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be graded on how well my theme is integrated into the game. and it just it uh it can it can be helpful for people who are who who like working within that sort of creative boundary but i tend to like working from my own ideas so sometimes i can work reasonably well within the um a theme from a game jam but sometimes it's more uh freeing to not have to worry as much about that as in the case of to jam and um yeah so in, in the case of uh to jam when you sort of get started you get into a group with some people who you might not know like um in a lot of jams there are people uh floaters as they're called and if it's online you coordinate with that person over email if it's in a physical space like the um george brown campus is where to jam was hosted and you're welcome to like actually go and physically interact with the person in the first to jam i went to i was physically sat next to both floaters that i was working with and Sorry, to get back to your original question of like, what's the main difference between the physical location and the online jam? Um, Obviously, in the physical space, you go there, you set up, you work on the game. Um, When it's being done online, obviously, there's not, there's a, I guess, a bit more of a component of trust that you're not just like bringing in a project that you've already worked on before. Um, I mean, provided that you can make it work within the theme. And then everything, like all the submission, is done sort of online anyway like the idea of like you you finish the game and then you put it up usually for free i i know that people sometimes take their game jam games and then create um premium products out of them after the fact but for the most part they tend to be free products that people can just try out like the idea that you know you get to try every game that was made in the game jam offer constructive feedback you know give people a good idea of whether or not it's going to be a something that they can develop further and then sell it some point. Now, 
when I was thinking of game jams, uh, I was thinking that the main benefit of it would be that it's sort of sparking creativity. And for many people, it could be sort of a kick in the pants of motivation. Like, here's a deadline. A lot of people work better with deadlines. A lot of people work better with a restriction of time. And maybe theme could be a way to get that going and interaction, interaction with other people and networking and getting feedback. Now, do you think that, like, what is the main benefit out of it? Is it more, is it more based on, say, the networking and the creativity and maybe just the honing of your skills or... Is, is is coming out with something that is actually going to be a product you could be very proud of eventually down the line, maybe if it's just the idea you start with and then flesh it out later. Yeah, well, you kind of touched upon a lot of the different benefits of game jams there. Like, I, I find that, um, you know, not everyone finishes a game jam game, right? Some people, they just, they their concept either, like, changes partway through or something, it, it doesn't really crystallize into a finished product, or it what they end up with in the jam isn't representative of what they were originally setting out to create. Um, and that's just the way it works sometimes. You know, you're, you're working with an incredibly limited amount of time, um, especially with some of the three-day, like, approximately 48-hour jams. So actually creating a finished product within that space of time is not necessarily everyone's goal. Um, one, of the game jam, one of the times I participated in a game jam, TO Jam, last year, I just spent the time... Uh, working on a component of Robo's World of Zarnok Fortress. I spent the game jam creating the digital environment minigame, um, which, you know, sort of felt like a good opportunity to, like, create a game in the time span of the game jam, but then have that smaller game be included in a larger game that I was already working on. So, you know, you can sort of take whatever you want out of the experience. Like I used it as an opportunity to work on a larger project. Um, a lot of people are definitely using the time to just get something off the ground, um, to try uh, scope. Scope and scale are really important skills for game developers. Like being able to say, I can get X done in Y amount of time. So when you go to a lot of game jams, you really put that to the test and you see like, well, what can you realistically accomplish within you know, um, some small span of time. So it helps you refine your idea for like, um, you're getting a sense of your own abilities, like how much you can accomplish within a given period of time, um, what you can promise, what you can deliver on, all those kind of things. Yeah, that seems to be really important because I think a lot of people that are starting out from games, they they probably have a talent and an acumen for coding, programming, game design, whatever. But when you're working for yourself and you're trying to create something for yourself, you end up having to all of a sudden be involved with other things like marketing, time management, coordination with others. And that might not be really in your skill set, but it's something that if you don't want to work for a bigger company that's going to tell you what to do, that's something you need to do. So I'm, I, I see a lot of benefits in that um, really just learning how do you create, how do you do a project? Here's like a little mini crash course and getting something with pre-production, production, and then putting it all together is a thing. Cause I'm sure that almost every, any game creator, an independent one, I'm sure, and we've seen big games get delayed and whether it's any artistic project, it always takes longer than you think it's going to take. And, sure. and we can see games that were supposed to be done in, you know, in a year, it takes three or four years, you know, Stardew Valley, the creator, that one guy made that in four years. And what happened to him was as he was making it, he got better at all the skills. So he was looking back and he's like, well, now I know how to do much better animation. I'm redoing the whole thing. I'm redoing all of the music, you know? Oh, I bought a new guitar. All right, let's retrack all of that. Now, 
I'm, what, what are some of the cons of this? Because I, I spoke to another developer and he was mentioning he actually was avoiding game jams because he thought that um, he, he had experienced, I think, some health problems. Mm. And he found that killing yourself for three days, not sleeping, could be actually detrimental. And when I went to the, the last game jam, the TO game jam, I was speaking to a guy who was incredibly sweaty. <laughs> and uh, he had just become really sweaty near the end of it. And he, he was like getting some sort of flu from just being around the many people and lack of sleep. So how do, you, how do you feel about some of the cons of a game jam? Yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible. Like when you, when you cram yourself into a physical space with that many other people, you know, um, conventions or jams or just whatever, uh, being in a typical workspace, you, you are just subject to that many more people, that many more germs. And a lot of people do like take these jams really put an extreme amount of time into them like they stay overnight they don't shower they don't eat properly um and it's it's i i don't think there's anything to be gained from that i think that you know i i spent uh at this most recent jam i was logging my time and i spent just 17 hours making my jam game and i created a totally finished product i had time at the end of the jam to like cut together a video trailer of it and upload like screenshots and all those kind of things, like all the finishing details. And that was still within that 17 hours. So you know, these people who are like trying to practically spend all 48 hours of the jam working on the game. I mean, whether it's a game or whether it's any project, spending that much time on one single thing in one single burst is incredibly draining. And I, I don't think that that's uh the best way to be uh, approaching a game jam. But I guess for, for some of those people, they might simply not have the opportunity to work on games as much in their spare time. And therefore, this is like their one shot. They're going to give it their all. They're going to just put everything they can into it. And I think you have to acknowledge that. And then as the average person who maybe does get to spend um, some time in development of games, or even, you know, you just need to approach these game jams with the understanding that's like you don't have to do this and they in fact they encourage you not to they say please don't sleep here they're not going to kick you out but they advise against it because it's yeah you're you're probably going to get yourself sick you're probably going to exhaust yourself and then make yourself worthless for the coming week because you're just drained in every single capacity you know, we hear all these stories like, well, Bill Gates slept under his desk and he made it work and about all these creators. And, and we've heard from... There's a bit of a sampling bias with that kind of thing, though. Absolutely. And people look at it as this glamorous thing. It's like chasing the dream and like if you just go all out. And that, that can actually be a big difference within like a North American philosophy as opposed to, say, the UK. I was watching a documentary on James Cameron making Aliens and he was saying that he was used to the Hollywood schedule of we're all going to give up our lives for six months or a year, however long it takes to make it. You know, it's 18 hours if you get the right shot, and that's fine. Whereas in England, you'd have the fog and everything set up, the alien queen looking great, and all of a sudden, the crew was gone because the tea lady had shown up, and it was a completely different mentality. They were just there to work and put on their hours. But I think people can get a little lost in that, and I think you're right. It's You're not doing yourself a service by being drained and being burnt out on the project. Um, so... What was the project that you were working on at this last uh, at this last TO jam? So I made a game called Heli Chopper, where you have a helicopter. Primary means of attack are your rotor blades. Makes sense. So rather than a lot of games where your helicopter is presented as a very like sort of glass cannon kind of thing, where it's it's powerful and it has like uh, guns or missiles or something at its disposal. But otherwise, if you bump into something or crash, it just explodes immediately. 
with Helichopper, I have a incredibly durable helicopter where you are encouraged to run like rotors first into enemy infantry and dice them up in your blades. See, now that's a great elevator pitch for the game. And I think a good jam game really needs that because you have people that are walking through, you walk up to like 25 different exhibits and you go, what's your game about? And if they can't hook you in that for a second, I think, and I think that that actually is a good lesson to take for games in general. We've all seen games that try to do too much, whether even if they're AAA games made by hundreds of people, if it's a little too meandering and it's not good, not great at one thing, that's a problem. And indie games definitely have to focus on one thing. And if you're trying to make a game in three days, you need one good mechanic. Now, did the idea from this come? Did you go into the jam with that because you had some jam experience, or did it come uh, from spontaneity? Uh, I had the idea for Helichopper actually originally as a real-time strategy game unit. I thought it would be a lot of fun to you know imagine a typical real-time strategy game where you have a helicopter and then you activate a triggered ability where it drops out of the sky and just shreds some infantry units on the ground. And I thought like heck, I could make a game out of this. It doesn't need to be just one unit, one component of a game, although I still think that has viability. Um, so you, the, the great thing about Helichopper, though, as an idea, was that I noticed it's very simple in scope. You know, the, the basic premise of you have a helicopter and you are, like, flying it underneath paratroopers and grinding them up. And that just as, like, a simple high-score-based experience, very simple, get it off the ground really quickly. And then... If I have time left over, I can add on to that. I can say, okay, well, how about I add some missile turrets that you can't destroy with your rotor blades, but you need to kite rockets back into them, like heat-seeking ones, and then blow them up that way. And we even had a little bit of time. On the very last day of the game jam, I thought, gee, it's a lot of fun to blend up paratroopers from underneath, but when these guys make it to the ground, it becomes much harder to kill them. And I was thinking, man, if I'm going to continue with this idea, I ought to redesign the um, the vehicle that you're piloting so that it has rotor blades on the bottom. But then it's like, well, that kind of ruins the getting the paratroopers from above. So I added a mechanic to the game where you hold down the A button or the space bar and your helicopter will flip upside down. Um, and not many people know this, but helicopters actually can fly upside down. Um, hmm. Not necessarily like... A large helicopter, but like a model helicopter, easily can fly upside down indefinitely if necessary. Um, and there are some really cool videos of that, which I would encourage you to look up. Uh, a series on called Smarter Every Day, if you want to check it out. Um, so more to the point, by adding this mechanic to the game of having the helicopter like flip upside down, suddenly you could like get to the infantry that were underneath you, and it just felt like a perfect sort of last-minute addition to the game. But it's not something which would have been critical to the gameplay experience. So if I didn't have time. You know, I think that's another mistake that a lot of people make going into a game jam is they think like, okay, I want to make um, some game that requires a like a, a trading card game-based system. And just like the underlying systems for that or like a real-time strategy game, they're just incredibly time-consuming to set it up in the first place. So it's, it's a game that, um, you know, if you pick a game that's small in scope, you know, I, I talked about this earlier, how important it is to have... Uh, good scope when approaching these projects. If you have a game that's small in scope and that can be added onto over the course of the jam, then you can work more realistically within your time frame and not burn yourself out. Um, whereas a lot of people might aspire to create something really big and then realize they don't have the time to pull it off. Now the uh, the scape the sorry the scope and the scale 
required for a game jam game is that very specific to creating something in three days or do you think that you could easily extrapolate that to the process and philosophy of making a game of any scale i mean you yeah you you are sort of looking to extrapolate and um knowing like i can do this in three days therefore i can do this in nine days or i can do this in three weeks or i can do this in a month or a year um, being able to like plan things out, breaking them down into small chunks of I estimate that this task is going to ta- is going to take me between one and three days, and that this task is going to take me between two to four weeks, and therefore I can have all of these various aspects of the game done in this span of time. It is crucial to get that sort of thing done on a large scale project. I can go into a game jam like this and sort of wing it and. Um, create a game like helichopper in just around 17 hours but even then i still sat down um just even on the the subway and streetcar ride over i spent some time writing down like okay i need the helicopter object and i need a collision volume for its rotor blades and i need a separate collision volume if you want to like crush infantry i need um the ai for the guys the soldiers that are dropping down to like fall out of the sky and shoot missiles at you and i was planning out all these like small aspects of the game even though I probably just could have kept it all in my head, but it was just, it's, it's incredibly useful to like get the thoughts down onto paper. And if you're working on a larger scale project, getting those thoughts, not just on, onto paper, but like planning out milestones, like by this date, this should be done. Mm-hmm. You know, having a feature list. I like to have uh, I always like to have a whiteboard with, if I ever feel like I've got a spare 20 minutes or a spare hour to work on something, instead of having to look into your head of like, what should I be yeah, working yeah, exactly. on? Exactly. If you have something that you can look at and just go, then you remove that big step and you are automatically doing what is the most important thing to do. And I mean, it's like working on a feature list for games and it's how, I mean, you see that anytime in, in big games, you can, you can feel where the money went and where they were like, all right, we don't really have time for this. So mm-hmm. we're just gonna, that's not going to make it on as a, as a big um, priority. Now, what were the, what were the most challenging elements of uh, making Heli Chapa? So when I was working on this game, um, just, I don't know, trying to um, coordinate and see, like, what, what can I do within the span of time? Like, as I mentioned, it wasn't a particularly challenging game to make because it was so small in scope, and I sort of knew I had um, more time than was necessarily needed. Um, in past years, like, I worked on a game, like, when we were young, also started out as a game jam game. And creating all the artwork, because it was all hand-drawn, um, that took a lot of time and just trying to, you know, get in all the detail that made every environment really, uh, made the, the whole single environment really look like it was all hand touched and that none of it was just copy pasted from somewhere else. Um, and just investing that much time into that project was relatively difficult. Um, and then the very first year I made a game at a game jam, I made a game called Gentlemen Drop Dead where it's a competitive bullet hell game. Both you and another gentleman drop out of an airplane with Gatling guns and you're trying to um, mow down your opponent as you drop out of the sky. And then failing that, whoever lands closest to the middle of the arena is the winner. And uh, a common thing that's a recurring theme in all TO Jam games is the idea of a goat on a pole, mm-hmm. just kind of their mascot. So I made it whoever lands closest to the goat wins in a game of Gentleman Drop Dead. And um, 
Yeah, that's sort of taking some elements of like Joust and even um, uh, Gorilla was one that you uh, threw the exploding bananas and it was all just like Vector and Angle or there was a, a Tanks one as well. Yeah, and I, I just knew that when I when I went into the very first game jam ever, I wanted to create a game that, again, was small in scope and where the gameplay, the, the time that you would get out of playing the game would be created by playing against an opponent. Because mm -hmm. um, if, if you try to go into a game jam where like you want to have things being uh, level-based, well, you need to spend the time to create all those levels. And you might only have time to make one or two levels, unless your game is very small in scope, and then maybe you can manage like up to 10 or something. But that's why I created a game like Gentleman Drop Dead in my first year, and <laughs> the event coordinator was impressed as hell. It was like, wow, did you finish your game? I'm like, yep. And he's like, have you done this before? I'm like, nope. He's like, how did you pull that off? I was like, I just... I've been making games for a while. I just haven't made a game jam game before. So it was uh, it was a lot of fun because, like I said, that was the, the first year I got to sit next to the artist floater that I was working with. I got to sit next to Mark Sparling, who now does all the music for all my games. And of all and things... And by the way, when he says floater, that's a that's a term designed for people that go from project to project. He's yes. not bashing artists. No, 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 no. I'm not referring to, like, toilet floaters. That's <laughs> disgusting. Um, yeah, it's just the commonly used term for people who, like, may work on... Um, multiple projects or just they they weren't necessarily part of the team that you went in with but they just joined up with you um hence floating from project to project uh and across from me while i was working on gentlemen drop dead ahead of me i saw um will valley who was working on uh, a game as part of throwaway games as a completely different team but i just saw the fidelity of the artwork that he was creating there and subsequently he did the artwork for robo's world of Zarnock Fortress. So you kind of uh, touched upon this, and I didn't have a, a chance to confirm it before, but yeah, going to these Game Jam games is a fantastic opportunity to meet people and to network with them and to really see, like, okay, what can you do within the span of three days? Because I know that um, sometimes I would walk the halls and I would see, like, one guy, every time I passed by him, he was either, like, watching a YouTube video about somebody people, like, playing Hearthstone or just playing Overwatch. It's like, okay, so... <laughs> Every time I pass by this guy, he's not doing work. I probably won't work with this guy. Um, but then there's other people who you see like, oh, wow, they did all this artwork within this three days. And I, I would love to work with this person because the fidelity and the quality of the animation, like everything looks fantastic. So it's a great opportunity to see like what people are really capable of within that span of time. Um, in contrast to working um, on an online game jam where you, you don't have that same personal connection of being in a physical space with other people, um, you don't have the opportunity to um, really see how people work. You can still see what the end quality of their work is at the end of that time. Obviously, you can, um, can't really watch over their shoulder if they're doing online. Although some people do take to like live streaming or something, their work process. Um, but yeah, I, I do like the idea of going to a physical space for a game jam because there's just something about having all this like creative energy around mm -hmm. you that's like it really inspires you to create your own, um, to invest time and make good choices or ideas. Or you never know that, um, especially if people are working in a team and they're batting an idea back and forth, you can just sort of like turn around and contribute. You know, I think uh, that's, that's not the kind of thing that you get working on your own or working as part of an online game jam. Yeah, there's another spot in, uh, in Toronto called Bento Miso, which is uh, run by Henry Faber. And Actually, let me just mention yeah. real quick. They just changed their name. They're now called Gamma Space. Gamma Space with two M's. G A M M. -A. I believe so. Um, 
and and it was founded on that uh, that philosophy of every everybody's just in their basement or their spare room making these games and bringing them out to interact with each other can create a lot more energy, can create a lot more ideas, and you can find solutions to the problems. And also having a facilitator that knows how to like get products out there, knows how to market, and can help people that just sometimes coders just want to code and creators just want to create and they don't want to deal with all the crap that comes after you release a game that can be another three, six months of work. And we're not just talking about bug fixes and patch updates. It's about getting your game out there because like you've said before in previous episodes, the indie marketplace is now a little bit saturated because it's, it's gotten to the point where one guy can make a game and small teams can make a game and you got yep. Kickstarter and everything going on. Um, so did you have anything else you wanted to mention about game jams? That's about all I had to say. I mean, I, I think it's as much fun as it is to work on a game on a game jam. I do like spending time on larger projects, so I will always go to TO Jam just because it is a lot of fun uh, to go and like, you know, get to meet people and for that sort of reason. But as far as actually creating a project, I find that personally my time is better invested in just working on something alone. But that's just because I have the opportunity to do that. Not everyone does. So if they really just want to like get out there and get a taste for making a game, you know, you can join up on a team um, with relatively little knowledge and just you know see whatever what you can accomplish as part of a, a larger team on one of those sort of like three day stints. There you have it. Thank you, Attila. Very much for having me. And you can find me on Twitter at GameThinkTalk and Attila. You can follow me on Twitter at BluishGreenPro or check out my website BluishGreenProductions.com where I'll be posting my extended thoughts on every week's topic, as well as the video for the podcast when it goes live. And yeah, that's it. Yeah, the video is at the 90s Kid YouTube channel, and the podcast is available on iTunes. It's called Gameology. Bye-bye.